This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com with your hosts, Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, Backheel.com, Mark Fishkin, and guest host, Dave Martinez, this week on Seeing Red. On Seeing Red this week, we're going to break down New York's comeback win, 3-2 over the Chicago Fire at home on Friday night. We're going to preview two big games. This this is the biggest hurdle, in my estimation, between this team and a possible Supporters' Shield, the second in three seasons. The first place New York Red Bulls visit New England on Wednesday, and then all the way out to Portland, Oregon on Sunday to play the Timbers. We're going to talk to Brian Lewis of the New York Post, and we'll get to well, maybe an email of yours, maybe some thoughts on Friday's game. We'll do all of that, seeing red, original Voltron style. Dave Martinez, how are you? I'm great, brother. You think that this recording is actually going to survive this time? I I do, and for those of you that don't know, <laughs> we had we had every intention of bringing you an original Voltron about a month ago, yep. and um, the dreaded glitch hit, and... Uh, and the rest is history. No, this is going to be sterling. Good. A fantastic recording. So what's what's going on in your world? How's everything in Empire Soccer Land? Everything is wonderful, making some giant strides, so possibly opening up a shop, doing uh, bringing in new writers, just a lot of different things going on right now. So very exciting, very busy, as you well know. Uh, hopefully sooner than later I'll be able to make a few announcements, but... Uh, Overall, just glad to be here, Mark. It's been uh, it's been far too long, and this team has been way too exciting not to talk about. Way too exciting. So let's get right to it. Chicago comes in uh, down to nothing early on a questionable PK, and then David Ockham. <laughs> poor Connor Laid, man. <laughs> poor Luis Robles. No, I mean, poor real. poor Red Bull fans. That was. <laughs> Really atrocious. How, how you know, New York got punched in the face twice in the first 20 minutes of the game. And, you know, and people like to say or, or look at those instances and say, well, we finally found the Red Bulls' weaknesses. They are uh, clearly susceptible against the speed game of teams. And l- let's face it, Chicago may not have much, but they got plenty of speed. And I think that's what makes them unique in the league, regardless of their uh, of their record, which is horrendous. But they do have plenty of speed, and I doubt there's other clubs in the league that have that kind of speed to utilize. Uh, New York, what people should focus on is the fact that after those two goals, they really shut Chicago down. So if you want to talk about weaknesses, that's perfectly fine. But look at the rest of the match, where they actually played a good 60, 70 minutes and limited Chicago's chances throughout. Yes, there were a few break chances, but New York answered back with three goals, Mark. Three goals uh, coming back from those two as if nothing ever happened, not looking phased in the least bit, and just working the way they've been doing all season. The same tactics, the same strategy, the same high press. This is the Red Bull team this year. If you want to talk about resiliency, this is it right now. And uh, that's what I came away with. I, I don't think that it's a weakness. I don't think it's any of that. I think that David Ackham is a special player. I think there's yeah. several quick players on Chicago uh, but the Red Bulls, as a unit, are proving that they're a class in the league. Yeah, no, they they definitely are. And, I mean, let, let's be very clear. Scoring, I think, less than two minutes after Chicago took a 2 nothing lead went a long way, right? Because New York, the last thing they wanted to do is go into the second half down two goals. Sure. But, but they fought back. Uh, BWP with a goal. Grella with a <laughs> terrific goal. <laughs> yep. Mike Grella is unconscious. I mean, Mike Grella just doesn't care about you or your concerns if you're on defense. All the guy does is continue to make amazing plays. Uh, he, he may not be impressive every 90 minutes he plays, but there are special moments that he has every single week. And um, getting the second goal, lifting New York into a tie... Let me ask about both penalty kicks. Um, I was seeing online, you, you felt that Lloyd's in the second half was a bit of a dive. <laughs> was, was the first one just as egregious? Absolutely. Was Chicago's peaky? I mean, that was really soft. I, I, think, the, I think both calls were very soft, and uh, credit to Jesse Marsh uh, and, and T. Allop after the match. They didn't go after the referees. They said that everything was called fairly. And the fact is, uh, there's one thing that Marsh said regarding the PKs, regarding the officiating that made a lot of sense to me. When you have a game with this much quickness on the field, uh, we're just talking about Chicago's quickness, yes. the Red Bulls are a fast team. So you're looking at a back-and-forth match the entire game, 
things move in a fast pace, and the referees actually, for the most part, made good calls. Those two calls, however, uh, considering the pace of the game, considering, less uh, I mean, less good, but understandable. In, during the match, you're watching it, it looked like a PK. Both of them looked like a PK. Replays, they tell a different story. So I actually am on the side of Marsh on this, on the side of Yallop on this. There were two wrong calls, I think, but in the speed of play, when you're watching it in real time, they absolutely look like PKs. Yeah, and and as you said, the two coaches did not really refer to the refing basically because it was even, right? Each team was gifted a horrendous penalty call. And and then when you take a look, let, let's just say, all right, let's take the PKs away. You've got an entire match from Chicago where you've got an unbelievable breakaway with David Ockham, and then, then that's the totality of their offensive output, right? I mean, they they took three shots on target. They were out. New York outshot Chicago sixteen to eight in the match. There were large stretches of the game. New York had the ball sixty eight percent of the time. I mean, this is what you think about a first place team versus a last place team, and what it would. Uh, equate to out on the field. So New York did very, very well, not only coming back. And, and let's just think about the people that were involved in each of the goals. Bradley, Kleschen, Grella, Sam, and then Kleschen with the PK. I mean, this is all of New York's top five players playing incredibly well. Felipe had a whale of a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did a terrific job shutting them down. And as I said, you know, when you wear a jersey that kind of looks like NYCFC, it's no surprise you're going to wind up on a losing score. <laughs> I didn't catch that comment, but that is uh, absolutely true. And and going back to Chicago here, yes, they went up 2 nothing. but did anybody actually find them all that threatening in the beginning of the match? I personally didn't. Nope. I found them to be quite listless. There, there was no direction in their game. Uh, whereas the Red Bulls continued to build off of the back and... and impress their their pressing game as they always do uh, i find new york to be well coached the fitness level is unbelievable players know exactly where they need to be on the field and there is a certain with this club this year there's a certain uh, familial atmosphere everybody gets along everybody is is working together in the same direction and the chip on the shoulder regardless of all the love slobbering love fest that happened at the town hall the chip on the shoulder is still there. They still remember the catcalls in the beginning of the year of how there weren't going to be anything. Well, here they are, and they're doing uh, they're doing the work. They're doing the business. Uh, this is an impressive Red Bulls team, Mark. Uh, one of the best, if not the best, I've seen. New York actually, according to the league, can well not just according to the league, they can close. <laughs> according to math, in, 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 according to pure math, uh, they can clinch a playoff berth. With a win or some losses by some other teams this weekend. They can be the first team in MLS to clinch a playoff berth. Um, New York lifted to the top of the East. They're tied on points with D.C., but, of course, the Red Bulls have those three massive games in hand. Uh, Before we get to the uh, exact place and time where the Red Bulls find themselves, let's give our bull and cow. This is your first bull in some time. Yeah, well, people can say it. Put a lot of bull out on Twitter. A lot of bull. A lot of bull on Twitter. A lot uh, of bull going on with the, the with the with, with the thing. Uh, you know what? That bull this match, and uh, it's a little left field for me. But I, I'm going to give it to Jesse Marsh. Uh, this is this is one game. The Chicago match was something that I know for a fact he wanted. He wanted the victory in this match, and the way it played out, going down to nothing, coming back to win uh, with three unanswered. I think. That spoke to him. That spoke to his influence on the club, uh, to the way that he's put the match together. You know, I've heard all about Ralph Ball and everything else. It takes, uh, you know, you have a philosophy somewhere that's fantastic. Implementation is where it's at. And Jesse Marsh has implemented a system. He's put in a high press. He's he has got the players believing in the locker room. This was a match, I think, in particular where Jesse Marsh shined. Yes, agreed. I'm going to give mine to Sasha Kleschen. Sasha has definitely, truly taken on the mantle of the number 10 over the last few games. Uh, Some great articles by our friend Eric Giacometti at MLSsoccer.com, who had noted how, you know, Sasha's natural position is not a number 10. He is accustomed to sitting a little bit further back. But, of course, the Red Bulls have that covered with McCarty and Felipe back there. And 
Marsh has really been pressing Clestian to to drive the offense, to make it go. And you certainly saw that um, come into fruition during Friday's game. It was all over the field, was dangerous, making good passes, converting a PK, getting an assist. Um, you really can't ask for more from uh, New York's uh, key attacking midfield player. Absolutely. And, uh, and a cow for you? The cow. I would love to give it to the refs. Can't blame the refs, so it's not going to. It's not going to go there. I'd sure, you can blame the refs, Dave. Can't blame the refs for that. Even look, if it was a a moment in the match where I'm watching and I'm saying that's clearly not a PK, I, but it wasn't. In the speed of the game, it seemed it seemed perfectly fine. Uh, for this match, who can my cow be? Who do you have for the cow? So here's who I have for the cow. It's no surprise. It, it came as it would. It should have come as no surprise to anyone um, who's a Red Bull watcher that this match was sparsely attended. It was sparsely attended at seven o'clock. And when you think about Friday seven p.m. games on Unimas, um, there's almost no one that is well served by a match at this hour, especially in the crowded New York. Uh, metro marketplace, and you think about the notion of someone in an office going home from said office, collecting one's friends and or family, and then getting to Red Bull Arena and having butts and seats at 7 o'clock. It's just not going to happen. And yeah, I personally felt bad, and I, I know there were some comments online about poor Clint Mathis, who's an assistant coach for the Fire. Not really poor Clint Mathis, but uh, the 20 for 20 for this match was Clint Mathis. And to have him come out in front of probably six oh, or 7,000 really, fans 15 minutes before the game started for his uh, his uh, tribute honor uh, video and walk to the South Ward, which at the time was about half full, um, Really awful. So, and the good news is, or the bad news is, is that the Red Bulls' next home game will be at Friday at seven o'clock, a week from this Friday, uh, when Orlando City comes to town. And oh, by the way, the Pope will be in New York City that day, as will the United Nations General Assembly. So, so this is not necessarily a day to have to leave uh, the east side of the Hudson for the west side of the Hudson at all. <laughs> And uh, I, for one, am probably going to be working from home that day just to avoid um, coming, attempting to enter the city on a day where much of the town will be completely locked down, uh, much less trying to, to get to Red Bull Arena by 7 o'clock. So uh, Unimas and schedulers get my cow. Want to throw in? I'm going to throw in. Um, and I, I get your concern there, but that, that Unimas crowd is kind of the kind the crowd that you want, so I can't really can't fault them that much there. I'm going to mm-hmm. throw in with Ackham, and I'll tell you why. Uh, there was a bit of a commotion after the match where uh, there were some words spoken between McCarty and Robles. I can't really get into the words, uh, which I found out about later on. But needless to say, I think that uh, that Ackham was a bit of a spoiled sport at the end of the match, and you would figure he'd be happy. You have a highlight reel moment turning Connor Laid inside out. I would probably put that on every resume I have for the rest of my life if I were a footballer. Uh, but he comes off the pitch angry about the way the result went, uh, got in the face of McCarty. Uh, Luis Robles jumped in to uh, to give him an assist there. And things cooled down shortly thereafter. So uh, just for being a spoiled sport, I'm going to give it to Ackham. Ackham and Unimas. Many moves for you. Many, many. All right, so before we start previewing these two very, very meaningful large road matches this weekend, I just want to level set where the Red Bulls sit in, um, in, in the whole playoff picture. You done there? You done moving stuff around? Can I go? Can I talk? You good? Okay. Uh, New York Trails Shield leader Vancouver, uh, 48 points for Vancouver, 45 for New York. New York has an opportunity, obviously, to catch Vancouver during uh, during the middle of the week. Vancouver uh, has two home games, one in the CCL, hosting Olympia of Honduras, and then hosting the Seattle Sounders on Saturday. Uh, FC Dallas played one less match in the Red Bulls, 47 points. They are at SKC this week. The LA Galaxy also 47 points and has played three more matches than New York at RSL 
on Saturday. And then, of course, TCU, um, they host Arabe Unido in the Champions League, and they host the Columbus Crew, which trails both New York and D.C. by a single point with 44, only five matches to play there. The New England Revolution have been red hot, and we'll, we'll transition into them. They've won their last five matches. They are up to 43 points, just two games behind, two points, excuse me, behind New York. And they have played two more matches than New York. After they uh, tangle with the Red Bulls on Wednesday, they will go to Montreal on Saturday. So a lot to play for at the top of the East as well as the top of the league. New York, with a good run of form, can find themselves in the top slot, in the shield slot, uh, this this uh, by the end of uh, Sunday afternoons or Sunday evenings game against Portland. L- let's go right in and talk about the Revs. The Revs have been on fire. As I've said, they've won five straight matches, um, which is certainly impressive for anyone. And the key reason um, is the play of Jermaine Jones, who after some matches away has come back to full form. Um, it, over the five games, New England has beaten Toronto twice, both by 3-1 scores. Once at Gillette, once at BMO. They took a 2 nothing win at home against Houston. They went to Philadelphia and won one nothing, And they also shut out Orlando 3 nothing at home. This is a team that is led by Charlie Davies, who leads the team in goals, but he has not been uh, on form, truly, uh, as of late. In fact, uh, he only has two goals and two assists over his last 11 contests. So he hasn't figured a ton in New York's, uh, excuse me, in New England's big form. The real story here is Lee Wynn, who uh, has tr- significantly picked up his game over the last... Uh, a couple of matches, uh, three goals and six assists since New England lost to the Red Bulls on July 11th. So Wynn has played a major role. Obviously, Jones is uh, a big, big catalyst for this team. However, he's suspended for Wednesday because he got a yellow card over the weekend against Toronto. So no Jermaine Jones. And just to illustrate the difference in the two teams' fortunes uh, with and without Jermaine Jones, um, with Jones in the lineup this year, the revolution is 7-1-4. and four. Without him, 5-8-2. and two. And he will not be there. Uh, Dago Kobayashi will try and come in and make the same type of impact. But without Jones, this is a very similar team to the one that New York beat down 4-1 on July 11th in Red Bull Arena. Dave, thoughts on New England? It also happens to be the last time New England lost was against the Red Bulls seven matches ago. Red hot team. But Jermaine Jones, as you said, uh, that is a person that is uh, that, that really makes that midfield click. Without him, as you said, Kobayashi, I can't see him <laughs> filling the role much better. And against the Red Bulls right now, who are, as we've been speaking about this entire show, inspired at the moment. New York going into Gillette and... and that in years past, I would definitely hesitate to say, uh, but with the form of the Red Bulls right now, and with Jones out of the lineup, I think this is a matchup where the Red Bulls can make a statement, not only make a statement, but clinch a playoff spot, and uh, that would resonate throughout the league. Yeah, it would definitely resonate throughout the league. And listen, this is, these two teams have won nine of their last ten combined matches. And it's almost a shame that this match is on a Wednesday because you've got, you know, frankly, the viewership and the attendance at Gillette. And I mean absolutely no knock on the, on the crowds at Gillette, which have actually been significantly higher this year sure. than in seasons past as they had that great run at MLS Cup. Uh, but it's, it's a tough ask on a Wednesday night. It's just a shame. These are two of the hottest teams in MLS. Um, New York catching a major, major break without Jermaine Jones. Also, uh, New England played Hello on Sunday afternoon. They have to come around and play on Wednesday night. New York has the benefit of at least uh, two more days off than New England. So uh, we've got another game to um, preview. So what do you think think is going to happen in New England on Wednesday? Well, I'm going to stick to the prediction. I'm going to call it a 1-0 victory for the Red Bulls. Now, I I know what my predictions are on this show. But I got to keep it real, man. And this is one where I think the Red Bulls have a chance of coming out with a victory. Dave, you hadn't made a prediction on the show in a very long time. So, so maybe, maybe our fans, <laughs> maybe our fans don't understand. 
exactly what this means. <laughs> this is very when true. When we say that, yeah. Uh, the game obviously on MSG. I, I I don't know. I mean, the the, the thing is, um, New England has played very well in the back, and they're going to be a lot more composed. Um, obviously, without Jones taking away a lot of the attacking prowess, um, they have been playing incredibly well. When you consider who they shut down, Giovinco, um, with his nice little dance on the sideline, uh, the double nutmeg this weekend. But at the end of the day, they came up short. I don't know. I, I think I think the Revs will be buoyed, even though Jones isn't on the field. I see a two-two draw, which frankly is a fine result for New York to continue to pick up points on the road. Then, of course, New York will head out to Portland to take on uh, the Portland Timbers. The Timbers, eleven, nine, and eight on the season with a minus three goal differential. At home, they're a plus ten. Um, Portland, as I had said earlier, they don't score a lot of goals. They don't give up a lot of goals. Their last five games, a one nothing win, home win in Chicago, a one nothing home win at Salt Lake, a 2-2 draw with Houston, a 2-1 loss at Seattle, in which Portland was very much the better team for large, large stretches of that game. They really were uh, cursed by the soccer gods in that match. And then they last played on Wednesday, September 9th, a scoreless home draw with Kansas City. Uh, Fernando Adi is the man that makes the Timbers go. Ten goals and two assists on the season. Um, Max Rudy throws in three and two. Jack Jewsbury, three goals. Nat Borchers, of all people, with his monstrous Cascadian beard. Three nothing. I think he has a bird living in his beard. I've seen hipster Portland beards before, but that beard needs its own zip code. Mm-hmm. Um, Diego Valeri, six assists, leads the team. Rodney Wallace as well, four assists for Portland. And um, they have a very, very exciting uh, young goalkeeper in Adam Corse. Eight, uh, 11, 8, and 8, 12 shutouts on the season. Just to put that in perspective, Robles, who's played so well, has only eight shutouts Corsi with a 1.07 goals against in 27 matches. So after New England, New York has got to jet all the way across the country, six-hour flight. Uh, what can we expect on the carpet at Providence Park on Sunday afternoon? It's tough to say. I mean, what are the conditions that Red Bull's going to come out of in New England? That's really going to be the judgment here. And as we're going to speak about with uh, with Brian Lewis afterwards, what is the rotation going to be if there is any? At this point in the season, we've already learned a few things about Jesse Marsh. Uh, the rotation, uh, for better or for worse, doesn't necessarily exist. He'll play his young players to the ground, and his young players will absolutely love doing it. Uh, a stark difference from years past. Uh, what is the team that's going to be out there against Portland? That's going to be my judgment. And it's tough to say at this point, Mark, that the Red Bulls have so much to play for. If they wind up clinching uh, come Wednesday against New England and you move into this Sunday matchup against Portland, do you really put all your eggs in that basket or do you come back and take your rest and think long-term towards Supporters' Shield? It's going to be a telling moment for me, mainly in the way that this new management team uh, prioritizes competitions. I wouldn't be surprised if New York goes on the road, as always, with their high press, tries to get an early goal, and and from there goes on to bunker down a bit. So to me, if we're looking at predictions, uh, it's a tough one to call. So this one, I'm going to just say it'll be a road draw. I just don't – I couldn't really give – a specific analysis of what the match is going to be without knowing what they do in New England first. Fair enough. I don't think just making the playoffs, if they're able to get a win on Wednesday, is going to be super, super meaningful. Um, frankly, I, I think what is going to be meaningful is how Marsh juggles the lineup. And so you've got Sean Wright Phillips and Gonzalo Verón, who are 30-minute players right now. And when you've got, I mean, the, the team will have played three matches in nine days. And we all know that this has happened at various stretches, especially over the midsummer when New York was doing so well. You had Dax going, right, five 90-minute performances in 15 days like it's just absolutely insane the only two times new york has played in portland and mls have been three three draws the first one uh in 2011 uh the goal scores were were austin to lose wow uh thierry henry and duane di rosario 
and then the season opener in 2013, two goals from Fabian Espindola and one from Hamasen Olave, where New York shot out, I believe, to a 2 nothing uh, lead. And I was in the house that night in Portland, and New York, with 10 more minutes in that game, New York would have lost uh, 4-3 because Portland was coming on so, so hard. So... Um, it, it, it certainly will be interesting to see what happens. I'm more interested to see perhaps if New York goes and they're able to get a win, then you'll see Verone and Sean Wright Phillips start, and maybe you give Sam and Grella a little bit of a rest. Um, but again, after this trip, New York will only have two road games the rest of the way. The rest of the season home for Orlando, home for Columbus, home for Montreal, a puddle jumper trip on a midweek to Toronto, home for Philly, and then at Chicago, the last match of the season. All uh, prognosticators have said that 60 points, more or less, will get uh, New York the shield. They're on 45. That means with eight games left, five wins out of eight games, based on the way they're playing, will get the job done. If you are in and around the city on Sunday, please consider going to watch uh, the Red Bulls Portland game at Hoboken's Pier A, where the Red Bulls will be hosting a viewing party, uh, should the weather be good, and I think it will. You're looking at watching the match with all of Lower Manhattan as a backdrop. It's a fantastic way uh, to meet other Red Bulls fans and spend some quality time uh, watching the team. So we hope you do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't give a prediction. I'm I'm also going to call it a 3-3 draw because that's what we always do in Portland. So there you go. When we're back on Seeing Red, we've got Brian Lewis of the New York Post. We're right back after this. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, and uh, it's it's like it's it, it, it's an historic show, not only because Dave is uh, riding shotgun with me, but also because our guest today is uh, is the one, the only, the favorite. Red Bull Speed Writer for the New York Post, and that's Brian Lewis. How are you today, sir? Doing well. How are you guys? Very, very well. Happy, uh, happy to get get an original Voltron show going together. So, um, <laughs> New York goes down two nothing against Chicago, and uh, Jesse March said he wasn't panicking. Did you sense any uh, tightness in the team after uh, the surprising uh, deficit New York found themselves in? No, not really. Uh, it may simply be because they've proven that they can come from behind. Uh, maybe they are actually have that in their DNA, that they're convinced uh, that they can rally and still get points. But, uh, no, I, I didn't sense uh, a lot of panic or nervousness. I did not. At this point of the season, Brian, have you at any point seen this club kind of struggle for their identity? Because it seems to be within their DNA now to be this kind of a comeback team, this never-say-die type of side. That really does seem to be the kind of uh, attitude they've adopted. They really have. Uh, They just kind of put their head down and worry about the task at hand, Um, not necessarily worrying about the big picture but worrying about all of the small little pieces that you have to puzzle together (laughs) to make the big picture. Uh, So when you're down two goals, they're just worried about doing what they do, but doing it better and getting the next goal and then the next goal and then the next goal. And then when you look up, you've got a three to two come from behind when. At this point of the season, Brian, I mean, we we know where this team begun and I I hate having to to keep on harking back to the beginning of the year and, all the craziness, the vitriol, and you know, uh, the no fault with the organization. But uh, we're here, uh, mid-September. The summer surprisingly didn't affect this club. There seems to be a new life in this team. Are you surprised at where they are right now? And uh, how far can this team go? Uh, well, that's a trick question. Uh, <laughs> I believe uh, you gentlemen were kind enough to have me on reasonably early. Uh, I did not predict that they would be leading the East. So I have to say in full disclosure, yes, if you asked me in January or February or March whether I thought that they would be in this position, I'd say no, I did not. Uh, If you're asking me did I think maybe three months in that they could maintain this, 
yes, because they showed the look of a mature team that was only going to improve. Um, so if you're asking me that I think before the season started, they'd be in this lofty position. Oh no, <laughs> not close, not close. But, uh, I, I do think this is real. I don't think this is smoke and mirrors or mirage. This is, this is a good team. And for my money, this is the best team. in the league. And in the standings as well, Brian, it's evident and our friend Matt Doyle has certainly called it out, and, and any casual or less casual watcher of the team has certainly figured out that if there's one glaring weakness that New York has, it's dealing with speedy counterplay, right? Yeah. And so whether it's Vancouver or twice having to do with Chicago and that last match of the season at Toyota Park uh, gives me the, the willies, frankly, Um the team is aware, obviously, that they have a problem with this. What really can be done? What can they do to try and close this loophole? Well, I'm not sure it's that easy. Uh, I mean, let's be reasonable. One, uh, two, in my mind, I think Kamar could probably use a rest. Um, three, it's going to be a situation where you have to have guys individually making sure that they are where they are supposed to be and break early to get back. But I don't think it's something that's going to be cured easily. I, I think it's something where you're going to have to take better care to prevent the counter than it is thinking that you're going to outrace somebody who's just simply faster foot to defend the counter. I mean, it's going to be a situation where they're going to have to react quicker to break up the counters before they happen. Now, Brian, we're dealing with a, a major opponent this week. Let's shift focus a little bit here with uh, the New England Revolution, who are just coming off of a huge victory against TFC. Uh, New England seems to be the real deal this year. Uh, New York has clearly maintained uh, a level of excellence. What are you expecting out of Gillette, which has traditionally been an unpredictable place for the Red Bulls to play? Well, yes, New England is in form. And yes, it, it, I don't, well, I would disagree that New England has been an unpredictable place. It, I, I think it's actually been pretty easy to predict. Uh, you know what? You're absolutely right. The minute Jones in the lineup, it's very easy to predict. The Jones without, out, extremely easy to yeah, predict. The minute that came out of my mouth, I was like, you know what? What's unpredictable about it? Absolutely nothing. But can, <laughs> can go ahead, Brian. <laughs> well, now, but you are correct. Jones, you know, Jones's absence does make a huge difference. They are not the same team with him and without him. I, I readily agree. Um, so getting that card is definitely not, <laughs> that's not insignificant. Um, if you're asking me for a prediction, if they had Jones, I would be looking at a loss. Without Jones, I'm seeing maybe a tie. And then, of course, New York, whether they return to the metro area or not, then they have to take their last long-haul flight of the season and head out to Portland, who... You know they've they're sixth in the West. They don't score a lot of goals. They don't concede a lot of goals. Every game that New York has played at what now is Providence Park, I think, in Portland, has been a wild shootout. Um, so just kind of curious if you can think about what we might see there, and in addition, how Jesse might stagger his lineup across the two games to ensure that at least there's some freshness there. I would have thought that there would be a little more rotation uh, going out to Portland. Judging from Jesse's comments yesterday, he implied that he was not looking to rotate, which I, I, I thought was mildly surprising. Uh, but then again, he's had opportunities to rotate before where I thought he would take advantage of them, and he did not. Uh, so based on past history, where I thought Gonzalo was going to get a start, uh, and based on his comments yesterday, I have to presume that there won't be heavy rotation. Um, unless he's sandbagging, I'm going to assume that he's telling the truth. And his actions in the past have implied that he is. So uh, I don't necessarily see 
some low scoring zero zero fair because that just that hasn't been their history when they've played there. Uh, there have been goals. So I, I, I know it doesn't necessarily mean I expect a blowout, but I, I do see goals scored. Now, I, I could see that game being 2-2 very easily because there will be opportunities, I think, on both sides just because of the nature of the way the Red Bulls are going to play. I love the comments. They will, the, they will attack on the road. They, they, don't, they don't sit and bunker in and try to escape no. with a 0-0 game. That's not their no. attitude. Not at all. And if if you're looking at this club this year, uh, Brian, as you said, uh, the rotation just doesn't exist. What Marsh has bought in is so young here. Even in practices, you see these kids kind of uh, going at it consistently under 90-degree heat and uh, being able to withstand all of that kind of pressure that Marsh is putting on them, including having to you know double dip every now and again and and, uh, and play two shifts in a week. That is, a, it's a pretty large departure from years past for myself at times. I, I'm just watching the games and the speed on the pitch, uh, the lack of the aged veterans. Every week seems to be a reminder this is a new club. Well, yeah. I mean, when you look at the team that walked off the field at Gillette Stadium last year, and you look at the age of that team, especially the age up front, uh, when you consider uh, the three players, the three primary attacking players that were starting up front, I, I don't have it in front of me, but they had to average, they had to be about a combined 100 and, what, 104, <laughs> 103. <laughs> well, I'm saying between Terry and true. Tim and Piggy, that's, that's probably about 103. Uh, when you look at the age of that team, and then you look at this team, I mean, there's no comparison. But, I mean, we can go even back, all the way back to the Juan Carlos days. When you look at the conditioning of this team, and you you spoke to it before about how they've handled summer. They've handled summer because they're just physically in peak condition. Yeah. And that's not a coincidence. I mean, that's a concerted effort that they've spent, whether that is actual aerobic work, whether that is dietary, whether that's stretching and ice baths. I mean, the effort that they put in to be in peak condition is at a different level than they used to put in. I remember Juan Carlos having to beg to get them Marsh has send somebody virtual... out to cook food for them. <laughs> he was, he, seriously, he was offered an option. He was told when he took the job he was going to have full-time scouts and he was going to have full-time masseuse and a cook or a training table. That was what he was told. And when he got here, they said, well, yeah, see, the scouts thing, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and we think we can work with a masseuse, but uh, you're not going to have a training table. So he was given X amount of money, and he was told, well, fine, you, you think these things are all important. You choose which one you want. So he chose to have them come in and cook whatever little training table they had, grilled chicken. <laughs> and he said, I'll do all the scouting myself. And now and you compare you've that got... to what they have now, it's, it's night and day. You're comparing you've something got... that's prehistoric to something that's high-tech. And now you've got the players entering in their uh, moods, their sleeps, their food, and uh, you know what they watch for TV into a mobile app, and they get fined if they don't. So it is really a sea change. So, um, Brian, just about everyone in the league office, a lot of viewers around, uh, a lot of commentators have pretty much put a lock on New York, or at least predicted that New York will walk away with their second shield. In three seasons, and of course, as we know, that doesn't guarantee success. But uh, are you are you in that camp? Is this um, is this a done deal at this point? No, I don't know. <laughs> it's not a done deal. Uh, I mean, I spent many days around a Met team that had a seven game <laughs> lead with seventeen to play, and had to find ways <laughs> to write about each and every one of the losses. <laughs> so, no, it's not a done deal. If you're asking me, are they the favorite? Yes, I, I think they are. Should they be the favorite? Probably so. Um, but that means you still have to go out and do your job. 
and it's not an easy job to close out a supporter shield. It's not an easy thing to win a supporter shield. So I, I think that they probably have the best odds, but odds don't always come in. Brian Lewis can be read every single day covering the New York Red Bulls at the small community newspaper known as the New York Post. Brian, thank you so much. We'll definitely check back in with you come playoff time. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime, fellas. There's more Seeing Red coming up after this. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. You're listening to Seeing Red with Mark Fishkin, Dave Martinez, and Dan Dickinson. Seeing Red, New York Soccer Roundup. Mark and Dave. Hello. Hey. It's like old times, buddy. Just like old times. Before uh, before real life happened. It's incredible. <laughs> Uh, before I hope parenting we can... happened, before ELS yes. happened, holy. For some, yes. Holy. Um, I hope that we can do this again before the season's out. Oh, and too. hello to Dan, and hello to Eric as well. Oh, perhaps you uh, you were not aware, the Red Bulls, too, have clinched a playoff berth in the USL mm-hmm. in their first ever season, which is uh, kind of exciting. One of, wait, wait, one of my I'm, favorite comments, I'm sorry, but one of my favorite comments yes. on the OS this week following that article, uh, somebody had written... Hey, an expansion team, just New York expansion team to make the playoffs. I was like, oh my god, the banter has been fantastic. Boom, shakalaka. Mm-hmm. Red Bulls two, twelve nine and six in their inaugural season. They've got one match to play. They will probably wind up facing either Charleston, Charlotte, or Richmond in a first round knockoff game. In that league, the story in the USL is the Rochester Rhinos, oh, yeah. who have gone fifteen one. And nine in 25 matches, they've conceded 12 goals in 25 matches. You know, and if, and you, our, if you watch Rochester, which I have this year, they, they look even more impressive than those numbers. They, they, they have been a great team. And credit to the Red Bulls, by the way, not just Red Bull 2, but the entire organization. What a victory on all ends. Who would have expected? If you look at USL right now, I think there's only a handful of teams that are in playoff contentions that have their MLS affiliations. Many have fallen flat on their face. I'm thinking about Toronto, Montreal. Yes. Uh, to have the Red Bull team succeed at the senior level and also at the reserves, this has been a better year, Mark. I'm looking forward to see how it ends. For sure, especially when you consider we had John Wallenek on earlier this season. You know, winning was not necessarily part of his assignment. Not at all. It really just get the boys minutes and keep keep learning the Red Bull way. Uh, yeah, to your point, uh, RSL's team is at the bottom of the West. Vancouver, Portland, and Seattle are all outside the playoff zone mm-hmm. uh, with one or two games to play. New York w- and L.A. would currently be the only two uh, MLS-affiliated teams to make uh, the USL playoffs. So that's, that's exciting stuff. That is something. So if they finish third or fourth, in the East, which is still up for grabs, they they need to win their final game, uh, which is at Rochester. Good luck. So perhaps they'll get some help. <laughs> Good luck. If they can eke out a draw, uh, I think they will hold on and get a, a home playoff game. So that's exciting. Okay. Uh, you know, what happens often when the team wins, the Red Bulls, that is, is that people don't feel like writing us emails. And I think people were so exhausted, perhaps at Jewish holidays, it was certainly 9-11 at the game. We did not receive a single email of merit since the match. So what we're going to do is we're going to dig into our Facebook page. And if you're listening to us on any one of our platforms and you have not followed us on Facebook, just please search for Seeing Red on Facebook and friend us there. You can join a very um, uh, enthusiastic community of Red Bulls fans. We ask at the end of every game who your bull and cow of each match is on Facebook. Here's uh, Trisha Olson who said the cow is Legends Bar. Why are we drinking Warm Coors Light? You're a bar, correct? Apparently, our good friends at Legends uh, had a poor experience on their bus. Uh, they do run a fan bus to every game. And frankly, as we talk about, Friday night at 7 is not a great time to be leaving Midtown Manhattan and going to the Red Bulls game. And that was not great. Uh, Drew Skolar says the bull is Grella, playing well every game. The cow, the defense, the first 25 minutes or so. All right. Yeah, we could talk about Grell a little bit, right? I mean, as you said in the beginning of the show, the kid's been fantastic. Uh, and he is, in a microcosm, the Red Bull season, somebody who no one expected anything of, nope. comes on board, excels to the point where now he's actually the reason why you don't have a Sean Wright Phillips on the field or a Gonzalo Verón on the field. 
he is doing the business, and he's able to keep these DP-level style players on the bench. Uh, this has been Grella's year, and I, I think I said it earlier in the year, though it might have been one of those shows back in April. Uh, Grella has every making of a potential Red Bull folk hero. If he continues this uh, and he stays on the club, continues this kind of uh, production, no question to me. Local boy doing well and uh, continuing to turn heads each and every week. Fourth in the goal, fourth in the team in scoring, and in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, his last nine games. Two goals and five assists. Ever since the the DP boys came on board, Grella turned it up another level. You got to give him credit, man. He's uh, he's and and to think that he was a reject of both NYCFC and the Cosmos, and he's coming here and doing what he's doing. It's unbelievable. And of course, as I've been saying the entire show, also a credit to Jesse Marsh, for sure, absolutely, for instilling that confidence in him. Sure. Right, it would have been very easy to say, "Oh, Verone's here, Grella, you're on the bench." Absolutely. And he said, "No, it's you. It's your job to lose." Look at look at the guys in blue across the river. He can't take off Lampard Who? or Pirlo. <laughs> Thank you. He can't take off Lampard or Pirlo. Here you got Jesse Marsh putting two quality players on the bench in favor of Mike Grella. That is good coaching, and that is a hell of a player. What a train wreck! Oof. All right. Anthony G. De Vincentis, and apologies uh, on the pronunciation, Bull Grilladino, little cow, no pun intended, laid, laid only because it has to go to someone. And listen, Connor's, you know, he's uh, nine out of ten MLS defenders would have been burned on that by David Ackham in that play. That's why I couldn't give him the, the cow either. No way. Trisha Olsen, Bull is Grella, Cow is Bust from Legends. We got there late uh, for halftime. Andrew Bissonette, Bull Sasha, he was all over the field tonight. Yet again, Cow Lawrence, the crossing, the effort getting back, everything was terrible. Mini Cow, the entire back line, seen a, see above. Other than the PK, they allowed one goal today, David Ackham, over 90 minutes. One goal. That's what I'm saying. That's And, and I guess the bar has been raised so much. Right, because New York has had three home shutouts over the last couple of weeks. That allowing two goals, I guess, is uh, that's where the articles on you know we finally found the Red Bulls' weakness. Uh, right. I think it's jumping the gun, man. It's the first twenty minutes; they're just coming off of a bye. <laughs> they're clearly getting their feet under them, and all of a sudden, the rest of the match they're dominating. It's just a weakness that does not make. Here's an interesting, uh, an interesting post from our friend Conrad. Oh, Modage, who says, even though it was a win, can't find a stand-up bull. But if I had to, the bull was Sasha. The cow was Jesse. No. Why the guys at the 65th minute mark look like they were running in quicksand? Chicago is just bad. You have to give some starters some break, and you shouldn't have heavy legs after a 12-day Break. He did make substitutions at that point, right? I mean, didn't Gonzalo Verón come in at that point? Yes. And, I mean, Maybe I, at I would, the 70th minute. I, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Chris Copley says, Cow, first 25 minutes, Bull, last fixed 65 minutes. Okay. <laughs> well, well, Our friend TJ Bruskowitz, who uh, is a big fan of the show, says, Bull is Grella, the Cow is the second-place scum. At the time, after the match, they were... Uh, in second place. They are now tied on points after a late draw in Colorado. Uh, maybe there's some life there. They're not going to catch New York um, unless the Red Bulls fall into a hole. And D.C. has not played well for two months now. Two months. Mm -hmm. uh, New York has the fewest number of losses in MLS with seven. And they have the fewest road losses in MLS with five, and they have the, the third best road record in the league, four, five, and four, which is actually pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. Vancouver has a winning record on the road, which is uh, very, very impressive and a big reason why, at least for today, they are in the shield spot. So a nice rundown, not a full-on third segment, but folks, when the team wins, you can write us also. It's okay. Seeingredny@gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Dave, uh, this was a lot of fun for me. You? A lot of fun. I, I think also it's worth noting that New Yorkers don't write or say anything unless they have to complain. So this is kind of par <laughs> for the course for the entire freaking region. I think things are just so good right now that there's, as you said, why, why complain? Well, credit right. to you, Mark, also, because prior to the town hall, I was telling Mark offline, of course, 
uh, how I thought no matter what happens, no matter how good things have been, there's going to be vitriol at that town hall. It's just what I expect, being, you know, a person that's followed the scene for this long, being a New Yorker. Yeah. Uh, so kudos to you guys who have all taken the chill pill and uh, <laughs> looked at things uh, a bit more realistically. Things are uh, are certainly... On a, on a happy swing here in Harrison, which is, uh, which is strange and different for me. I'm not used to this, Mark. Well, I think a lot of Red Bull fans are unaccustomed, and I think a lot of Red Bull fans are waiting. They are waiting for the other shoe to drop. I don't and think they're they... waiting at this point, man. No, 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 no. No, I think I, I wholeheartedly believe that there are lots of Red Bull fans who are just waiting for a turf toe injury or waiting. They're waiting for for something Metro to happen to this team, and credit a tremendous amount of credit to the guys. Right, their sixteen plus sixteen goal differential is the best in the league. Right. They have the opportunity to finish tops in the league for the second of three years. Um, the playoffs obviously always are a bit of a toss-up, but the good news is that New York has is playing as an Eastern team and not a Western team, and they will have an easier time of it. I mean, the notion that Montreal is currently a playoff team with a nine eleven and five record—I couldn't believe that. Speak, I mean, just speaks to how bad the, the story is on the Eastern side of the schedule. And again. When you look at the, the upcoming opponents after this weekend, home for Orlando, Columbus, Montreal, away at Toronto, home for Philly, which you know, you know, New York is going to want to grind Philadelphia into the ground. I mean, that is going to be revenge, uh, a dish, a best serve goal, that match. Especially if New York, can you imagine New York clinching the shield at home against Philadelphia? Wow. That would be, that would be tremendous. And then, uh, and you know, Philly is, I mean, they're going nowhere. Uh, they're two points out of the playoff spot. Yeah, They're there. Lost. They're, they're present. I'd say they're there. And then, uh, you know, if I'm a Rebels fan, I don't want to have to go to Chicago to win the Shield. I want that done earlier. All right. Uh, Dave, you called it uh, a win and we don't know, right? One nothing and a we don't know for the other one. But the other one I, I called a draw because that's usually the way to handle we don't knows. Yeah, I... I I'm on the fence with, with Wednesday. I, I think it can go either way. I mean, they really are a different team without Jones, and they know it, and they know it. And it's not like our guys are playing poorly because they, they're playing with a full head of confidence. And they, um, yeah. And there's All also right. a younger team that could handle the turf a lot better than teams of years past. I mean, this No is, longer an issue. You know, what, no I, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, this is... Everyone's going to play. It's a totally different situation. So I think that this is, a, this is really a good chance for them to come out on top and actually yeah. find points in a place they never find points. I don't right. know. Or, or either right. that or I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's one yeah. or the other. All right. I'm just going to, for difference sake, I'll call it a draw and a draw, which would not put New York in a bad position, frankly, with four home games left and only 50. Uh, I guess at that point, they'd need 13 points if you're following along to, to get the shield. So uh, heady days for Red Bulls fans. We will be back, not in between games, but next week for another installment of Seeing Red. For Dave Martinez and Brian Lewis, I want to thank you so much for listening. Original Voltrons are fun, folks. We have to do more soon. Dan, we miss you. We'll see you soon. Eric too. Uh, thanks for listening to Seeing Red. And Eric, too, thanks for listening to Seeing Red. We'll be back next week. Good night. This has been Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup on Backheel.com. Listen anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, and SeeingRedNY.com.